0: Man, that's one of the great movie scenes, isn't it? I love that. Team and, and family and loyalty and all of those things. Well, if you have your Bible with you, go ahead and open them up to the book of Matthew, chapter 26. That's gonna be our jumping off spot uh, for today. We're in a series right now called Restoring Forgotten Virtues. And I was talking to somebody this week, you know, about this series and about this idea. And and if I said to you, you know, these are the virtues that we're going to talk about, I think that every one of us would agree that they're important. But if we were also to do a little bit of a closer examination, we would probably say we don't see these virtues as much as we would like to in our culture. Now, last week we talked about the forgotten virtue of of honor and the important role that it plays in our life. Next week, we're going to talk about integrity, integrity. And man, it's going to be a really, really, I'm really looking forward to that. In the final week, I want to talk about the forgotten virtue of gratitude. When you really understand the role of gratitude in our life, it changes everything around you. So those are going to be very, very important. But today, you probably got a clue from our clip. I want to talk about what I think is probably one of the truly great and most important values. And that is the, the, the value of loyalty. Can everybody say Loyalty. Loyalty. Now, whenever I ask people, what is the most important forgotten virtue in our culture today? Loyalty is right there, always near the top of the list. In fact, let me just do something. Let me take a little survey, all right? How many of you would say, That you believe in today's culture, disloyalty, disloyalty is a significant problem. How many of you would say, I agree? Can I just see your hands? Everybody look around for a second. I want you to see all the hands that are up. Okay, the need has been established. Put your hands down. Now let me ask you this, and I really want you to be honest, all right? Everybody participating. How many of you would say, but for the most part, I am a very loyal person. Can I just see your hands? Hold them up. Hold them up. Look around, look around. Look around. I want, See, this is the problem that we're facing this morning, right? Is, is, you know, this is the challenge for the message. You can kind of feel the tension in this. We all say that disloyalty is a significant problem, and yet all of us are basically loyal people, right? Which tells me that all the disloyal people must be somewhere else this morning, right? They're, they're, they're hanging out somewhere else because we're all basically loyal. So if you're taking notes, I want you to write this thought down. There's not a blank for it. You can just write it somewhere at the top of your notes. But write this down. Disloyalty is something that is very difficult to see in the mirror. Disloyalty is really difficult to see in the mirror. Because here's how it works for most people. Hey, I'm loyal to you. And if I'm ever not loyal to you, it's because you deserved it. It's because you pushed me beyond my limits. But if you're not loyal to me... Well, you know, that's a whole different deal, because we're all basically loyal, and disloyalty is hard to see in the mirror. It's like the two guys that were hiking and backpacking. They were out in the woods, and they stumbled on a grizzly bear out in the woods, and I don't know if you've ever watched any of the documentaries on grizzly bears. They're frightening. They're they are, they are horrendously frightening, because they're ferocious, they're scary, and they're fast. They're very fast. So these two uh, hikers, they see this grizzly bear and they just take off running. And all of a sudden, one of them stops, pulls off his backpack, and pulls off his running, puts starts putting on his running shoes. And the other guy said to him, "Are you crazy? What are you doing? You're not going to outrun that bear." And he says, "I don't have to outrun the bear. I just have to outrun you." Now, I'm sure if you were to talk to those two friends before the grizzly bear shows up, they would say, we are very loyal friends. But you see, the truth is in a pinch, the reality for most of us is, is that we're only loyal to ourselves. And the truth for a lot of it is is, is that disloyalty is a very uh, significant issue. It's a huge issue because it's something that is very difficult to see in the mirror. Now, I want to give you probably, I think, the best biblical example. It's found in, uh, in the New Testament. If there was a guy that ever could have claimed loyalty uh, to Jesus above all else, it was a guy by the name of Peter. Now, over and over again, Peter told Jesus, Jesus, I've got your back. I'm your guy. And if everybody else runs away, I'm not. I'm there. I'm for you. Jesus, I'm your guy. I'll never leave you. I'm your loyal person, right? Now let's pick up the story, Matthew 26, starting at verse 33 and the following. Uh, This is Peter talking to Jesus. He says, even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. Listen to Jesus. I tell you the truth, Jesus answered. This very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. But Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the other disciples said, said the same. Peter said, listen, if everybody else falls away, I never will. I won't do that. I am completely loyal to you. I promise. And if you know the rest of the story, before the evening was even over, people came up to him and said, hey, weren't you with that Jesus guy? And Peter's like, Jesus who? I don't know any Jesus. I don't know what you're talking about. Who's this Jesus? Three different people. And after the third one, guess what happened? The rooster crowed. And if you read between the lines, you can almost feel it. Oh, no. Oh, no. What did I do? I have been disloyal to the most loyal person I've ever met in my life. I have had this disloyalty. And he went outside, the Bible says, and he wept bitterly. Bitterly. Here's what we need to understand. Write this down in your notes. True loyalty is proven, not proclaimed. True loyalty is proven, not proclaimed. Just a minute ago, I asked you, are you basically a loyal person? And most of us would say, yes, absolutely, I'm a loyal person. And I agree that disloyalty is a significant problem in our culture today, but it's not me. It's not me. Loyalty is proven, not proclaimed. Proverbs 20, verse 6 says this, Many will say that they are loyal friends, but who can find one who is truly reliable? Oh yeah, man, I'm loyal to you. We're friends. You're my buddy. You're my partner. We, we are loyal friends, but who can find one who is truly reliable? See, we've got to learn as followers of Jesus Christ, not just to talk the talk, but also to walk the walk. We've got to do it all. Now, to me, one of the greatest examples of this is found in sports history. Uh, it's, the, it's a story I've told before, but it's just so good. Uh, it's the story of two baseball players, Pee Wee Reese and Jackie Robinson. Back in 1947, they both played for the Brooklyn Dodgers and were very, very good friends. And what makes this especially meaningful is that Jackie Robinson was the first player Uh, the first African-American baseball player to break the color and race barrier in baseball. So he was the first African-American baseball player in the big leagues. And this was a significant big deal. Matter of fact, even his teammates really struggled with this idea and kind of turned against him And he got all sorts of of death threats from fans, and people would yell at him and throw stuff at him, and there were racial uh, slurs and all of that kind of stuff. And during one of the games where Brooklyn was playing Cincinnati, Jackie Robinson was playing second base, and his good friend Pee Wee Reese was playing shortstop, and the crowd started throwing things and yelling all kinds of, of terrible, horrible things. And Jackie Robinson. And so Wee Reese, the shortstop, who was white, by the way, took off his glove, threw it in the dirt, walked over to the second baseman, his friend, Jackie Robinson, looked up at all the booing crowd, and all he simply did was this. He threw his arm around his shoulder. And the crowd went completely silent. Jackie Robinson later said, that one simple act did more than save his career. It probably saved his life. It was such a special moment in history, they made this statue to sit outside the field to always remember the power of friendship and the power of loyalty. Loyalty is proven, it's not just proclaimed. Now, the word loyalty in the Hebrew language is the word A M A N. Uh, it is pronounced A Man, <laughs> which I thought is just hilarious. And that means, it literally means to wholly trust or believe in, to be permanent and unwaveringly faithful. Now I want to show you a story. story in the Bible, it's probably not one of the stories that you even know. Uh, It's kind of hidden in there. It's, it's, It's kind of obscure. There's a lot of stories that you probably think of if you say, tell me a story about loyalty. There's probably things you'd probably think of Jonathan and David and several others. But this is a very different story. It was basically the loyalty between a soldier, actually a commander, and a king, King David. Let me give you the context of the story. King David had this son. His name was Absalom. He was the third son. And Absalom, King David's son, had committed a crime. Actually, he had committed a murder. And he had had to run and get away for his life. He had to leave. And he was very, very afraid, even though David was completely faithful to his son. Well, about three years later, Absalom comes back with his own army with the idea of overthrowing his father's throne. David had been faithful to him, and yet he was being disloyal to his own father. And now King David was on the run, having to run for his own life. Well, there's this guy by the name of Ittai who showed up on the scene, and he was basically a mercenary. He was a hired guy who, who was the commander of a legion of about 600 men. And Ittai, though he had no real skin in this game, he decided that he was going to fight on behalf of David. Let's read this story. 2 Samuel uh, 15, 19 and following, it says, The king said to Ittai the Gittite. And can we just address the elephant in the room? I mean, parents, what were you thinking? (laughs) Ittai the Gittite? I mean, mom and dad, come on. Can you come up with something better than that? All right. Ittai the Gittite. But anyways, he said to Ittai, why should you come along with us? Go back and stay with King Absalom. You're a foreigner an exile from your homeland. You came only yesterday. Go back and take your countrymen and may kindness and faithfulness be with you. In other words, here's a free pass. You don't have to fight in this battle. Let's not see any of your men get injured or killed or or any of that. Just go home. Verse 21. But Ittai replied to the king. And I want you to watch this. This is loyalty. He says, As surely as the Lord lives, and as my Lord the king lives, wherever my Lord the king may be, whether it means life or death, there will your servant be. Loyalty. Not only did he proclaim loyalty, but then he proved his loyalty as he took his 600 men into battle and he fought. And he fought so valiantly that David later put him in charge of one-third of his army because of the value and the virtue of Loyalty. No matter what it costs me. No matter what anybody thinks. Even if it costs me my life. I'm not, a, I'm not loyal to a point. I'm not conditionally loyal. My loyalty is with you forever. Loyalty. The forgotten virtue. Now, I'm going to do something very different for the next few minutes. I'm a little nervous about it. I'll just be honest with you. Uh, I'm not really done this. But but since most of you are basically loyal people, I want to take a few moments and talk to you as sarcastic Robert. All right? I, I I want to use sarcasm for a moment just to kind of make a point. So here's what I want to say. If you are tired of running against the crowd, if you're tired of being a part of the minority, I want to tell you sarcastically, how you can go with the flow. I want to show you how you can be just like everybody else. I want to teach you how you can become disloyal. All right? If you ever want to be disloyal, here's how you do it. I want to show you three great opportunities for disloyalty. Are you ready? Here we go. The first one, if you're taking notes, a great place to start for beginning betrayers (laughs) is you can be disloyal to your spouse. Write that down. See, what you have to do is you have to just ignore what God said in his word. In Malachi chapter 2, verse 15, it says, Did not the Lord make you one with your wife? Ah, come on. Everybody knows that's old-fashioned. That's stupid, right? And then he says, So guard your heart. Really? Who cares about stuff like that today? And then it says, then it says, Remain what? Loyal. Remain loyal to the wife of your youth. Really? I mean, if you can trade your 50-year-old and get two 25s, isn't that better? Right? I'm just thinking, you know. So so why stay loyal? Well, then it says, I hate divorce, says the Lord God of Israel. But that's old-fashioned thinking. Nobody thinks like that these days, right? To divorce your wife is to what? It's to overwhelm her with cruelty. She probably deserved it anyway, right? So guard your heart and do not what? Do not be unfaithful to your wife. So if you want to be unfaithful, if you want to be disloyal, the most basic way that you could do it would be to have an affair, have adultery. I mean, basically, you guys all said that you were loyal people, right? But according to statistics, according to facts, 40 to 60% of you will have an affair, And you guys reacted about like I thought you would. That's scary, right? That's scary. Well, that's a great place to start, all right? It's also a little obvious, so let's talk about some more creative and subtle ways to be disloyal. I know this guy. He could teach a master class on this particular subject. Man, he is masterfully disloyal to his wife. And the way he does this is by taking little pot shots at her every time he goes out with her in public But it's always marked by humor. I mean, this guy's brilliant. He's a genius. He can cut her down and tear her apart with jokes. And the beauty of the jokes is he can always say, hey, I was just joking. I wasn't serious. But of course, she doesn't take that lying down either. She comes back at him and she tears him down in front of the kids. You should see her work. Man, she says stuff like, if you were more of a provider like so-and-so, or I wish you were a godly man, and she says this in front of her kids. See, you can be disloyal to your spouse in a lot more subtle ways by just dishonoring them and belittling them in public, all right? So what are some other ways that you can be disloyal, All right, Are you still with me? Right? Sarcastic Robert. (laughs) Don't freak out. You know what the problem is is this message? There's gonna be people later that'll be listening online and they didn't hear the sarcastic Robert part and they're going, you know what, that guy's a jerk. And he's insane. I don't I don't know what's wrong with him, right? All right, here's another thing you can do. You can look lustfully at other people. It's a great way to be disloyal. Be out to dinner with your spouse and then just check out other people as they go walking by. Just check them out, right? And you can check out people in the gym or at the beach or whatever. And you know what? You don't even have to do it with your eyes. You can have disloyal thoughts as you think about that old boyfriend or that old girlfriend. And you can think lustful thoughts. Come on, somebody. This is good sarcastic preaching. All right? And there's so many great ways to be disloyal. Ultimately, one of the best ways is that you can put anything ahead of your marriage and your family. Anything other than God, right? It could be your work. It could be your hobby. It could be your friends. It could be your yard. It could be your pursuit of material things. A great way to be disloyal is to put something ahead of what you were supposed to love. Man, a great way to be disloyal for all of you incredibly loyal people is to be disloyal to your spouse. Here's the second group. The second group... Uh, to be disloyal to would be your friends. to your friends. all right And this is, and, and this is a, a a group that it's so easy sometimes to be disloyal to. Let me show you a verse, Proverbs 17:17. 17, 17. It says, "A friend is always loyal, and a brother is born to help out of need." Really? I mean, is that what friends are? So let me give you one of the easiest ways that you can be disloyal to your friends. Probably one of the easiest ways is gossip about them. Now, of course, as Christians, we don't gossip, we just share, right? Hey, I'm only telling you this so that you can be praying for them, right? But do you know what's happening in so-and-so's marriage? Do you see what's going on in their life? Do you see where they're spending all their money and all of this sort of stuff? Did you know that they're fighting with their neighbors, right? You know, But just pray for them and all of that. It's gossip. It's gossip. And to be disloyal, listen, you don't even have to share the gossip. All you have to do is listen to somebody gossip about your friends and not stop them or correct them. Another great way to be disloyal is not to love your friends enough to tell them the truth. And if they ask you something and the truth is going to hurt you, their feelings, by all means, just lie. Just lie to them. Your job is to make them feel good, not to tell them the truth. And above all else, don't confront them about something they've done wrong. Don't love them enough to stand in your way and say, hey, you know what, because I'm your friend, I don't want to see you do something that's going to be destructive for your life. I care about you this much. And, you know, don't do that sort of thing. And then whenever you have a hard time with them, or you have a little argument, or you get upset, walk away. Just write them off. Don't do the biblical thing and forgive and work through it. No, the cool thing today is to walk away. Don't you love that? If you're tweeting, that's a a great tweet for you. And and the great thing today, walk away. Are you tracking with me? This is the easiest way. You can be disloyal to your friends. Sarcastic Robert. (laughs) All right, all of you perfectly loyal people. Let's talk about another one. Write this down. Another opportunity for disloyalty is you can be disloyal to Christ Church. You can be disloyal and unfaithful to the church, Big C Church, the, the church at large, or Little C Church, your local church. Now, the New Testament Christians, if you read about them, if you look at them, they were like fanatics in this Jesus thing. They took him so seriously. They, they believed all the stuff uh, in, the, in the church. They believed in the church itself, and they believed all these weird things. And of course, all of us in today, in today's world, we don't have time for that. We don't have time to be a part of the church. I mean, we may want to add a little bit of Jesus to our lives, but not so much that it makes us weird, right, or different, or anything like that. I mean, look at these crazy New Testament people. Look at Acts chapter 2, verse 42. The Bible says that they did what? They devoted themselves. What? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals and to prayer, The Bible says they devoted themselves. Who has time for that? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, breaking of bread and prayer. They were this crazy little community that did life together and cared for one another and ministered to each other and got deep into committed relationships. And the believers, they were together, and they had everything in common, it says. All right? I mean, let's be honest. What fun is it if we can't disagree, if we can't have some little fights here and there and split into multiple denominations in every direction? I mean, unity? That's old-fashioned. That's stupid. Nobody does that anymore. The Bible goes on to say, selling their possessions and goods, they gave to everyone as he had need. Sounds like communism to me. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. That's kind of overboard, isn't it? I mean, this is a daily commitment? Who has time for that? So here's what I want you to do. Man, if you're going to be disloyal to the church, make sure you just attend church sporadically. And the good news is most of you already do that anyway, right? So you're okay. I mean, the average Christian now goes to church one weekend a month. Perfect, right? Isn't that beautiful? It's beautiful. And if you go, make sure you go with a consumeristic mindset. I'm looking for a church that meets my needs. Don't ever start realizing that you are the church, right? And you're here to meet the needs of the world. No, I mean, that's obviously out of bounds. Go looking for a church that will meet your needs. Right? And what's great is if you're a true consumer, you can say, Hey, you know what? I like the youth ministry over here, so we're gonna send our kids over here, and I like the I, I like the, the the worship at this place, so we're gonna worship over here, and, and I like the way this person preaches, so I'm gonna to listen to his podcast. And so you're kind of divided between all of these different places, and you don't give or contribute or be a part of any one of them. You don't use your gifts anywhere in any of those places because you're just divided out all over the place, all right? Because the church exists for us and then if anybody does anything you don't like like sarcastic Robert all right here's the perfect excuse to never come back just don't come back you just get mad and leave well I'll show them I'm, I'll just get out of here right and if so if somebody takes a program away or if somebody doesn't smile at you or, or some little thing happens or maybe your kid gets in a fight with another kid that's it I'm just going to walk away and never come back. That's a great way to be disloyal. Now, can I just acknowledge what you probably already know? This is a horrible way for me to preach. I mean, it's very uncomfortable. I don't like it. Sarcastic Robert is not really my cup of tea. It's kind of like opposite day. You know, you don't, you, you, it's, it's not comfortable. It doesn't feel good to me. But having said all that, disloyalty is a very difficult thing to see in the mirror because the truth is we all acknowledge that disloyalty is a problem in our culture today, but none of us think it's us. Me, I'm basically a loyal person. The problem is is that most of us are basically loyal to ourselves. And this is what we need to understand. So sarcastic Robert is gone. Can I get an amen? (laughs) Yeah. Me too. Me too. Now, let me try to bring this whole subject into focus with one statement and then we'll kind of unpack it. Where does the disloyalty come from? What is it born out of? If you're taking notes, write this down. All disloyalty is born out of a divided heart. All disloyalty is born out of a divided heart. I want you to think about loyalty from God's perspective. God created us to show us his love and to have this intimate fellowship with us. And he was was so loyal to us that the Bible says that even while we were still sinning, even while we were being disloyal to him, he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for us on the cross so that we could have a way to come into relationship with him. Even when we were being disloyal, when we were walking around as if God didn't even exist, when we were doing everything that we wanted to do, everything that would please us, we were thinking about no one but ourselves. God still put his plan into place so that we could know and experience his loyalty and his love through what Jesus did on the cross. This is powerful. He remains faithful. He remains loyal to us. And here's what he asked for. God asked for all of our heart. All of our heart. Somebody asked Jesus one time, said, hey, you know what, all this stuff that you're preaching, man, it's powerful. I hear all these things that you're saying, it's powerful. But if you could just kind of sum it all up, what would you say? And Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul with all your strength. In other words, with every bit of stuff in your being, you love God. Every bit of it, all of it. It's not, it's not like you're going to hold back 5%, 10%, 15%. God, I'm going to love you with all of this, but then, you know, I'm going to have this over here. It doesn't work that way. He wants our hearts. He wants all of our hearts. Now listen, I can't speak for you, but I can tell you tragically, God doesn't always have all of my heart. I wish he did. That's the place that I'm going. That's the place that I want to get to. But, you know, I I pray that he would. If I look at the way that I live, I have to acknowledge that sometimes my heart is divided. And probably the truth is, if every one of you were honest, you would have to say the exact same thing. You know what? My heart is divided. But you see, guys, if that's all that we do, you know, we'll never have a unified heart. I want to show you what James says, and I believe that there's some of you this morning that the Holy Spirit is going to do something in you today, and you're going to have in this service today an intimate encounter with God, and then you're not going to be the same. My guess, though, is that some of you, you'll be able to just shake it off because we've become very skilled at doing that, right? We we just shake off what God wants to do. And so most of you, you'll be able to just shake it off and go on about your day. But a few of you, a few of you today, you may hear God in this speaking directly to you. I want you to listen to what it says, James 4, verses 8 and 9. James says, come close to God, and God will come close to you. I want you to imagine the power of that. Draw near to God. Take a step in his direction, and God is already coming closer, already coming closer to you. Then he says, "Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Wash your hands, purify your hearts, because your loyalty is divided between God and the world." And here's what it says: Let it there be tears." for what you've done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. Let there be mourning and repentance in our heart for the division that's in our heart. We should experience it. Now, guys, this is something that I am incapable of producing inside of you, in your heart. And I don't mean that I'm, I'm wanting you to feel bad this morning. That's not what I'm saying. But what I do want to say is, When I get close to God, when I I draw near to Him and I see His goodness and faithfulness, I cannot help but be struck by my own disloyalty and my own unfaithfulness. And if that doesn't grieve me, if that doesn't grieve you, if that doesn't drive us to our knees in a point of repentance, then something is very deeply wrong inside Let it to drive you to tears. Let it bring you to repentance. That God has been perfectly faithful to us, and yet our loyalty is divided between a little bit of Him and so much of the world. Deep repentance and grieving. I want God, and then I want what I want, right? I want to do what I want. I I want a little bit of God, and I want a lot of what I want. I want to be loyal but as long as it just works for me let there be a deep repentance. So I don't know where you go from here but I would imagine that some of you may need to go to your spouse or your family and say, "You know what? It grieves me deeply. It breaks my heart. But I've been disloyal to you. I've belittled you, I've torn you down. I've been unfaithful with my eyes." I've been unfaithful with my actions but with the power of Christ I want to be loyal to you. Some of you it will be your friends and you'll want to go and say you know what, I haven't been the best of friends. I haven't been a very good friend to you. I haven't been there for you. I haven't prayed for you like I should. I haven't been in your life helping you. I've been so consumed with my own life. And so from here on out I plan to be faithful with the power of the Holy Spirit. I'll be a friend that sticks closer than a brother. I'll be your friend. To your church. Now the good news is is that there's many of you who've been so faithful to the church and you recognize that you are the church and I praise God for you. But for some of you, maybe you're just going to church and you don't really understand. You're called to be the church. You're not called, church isn't someplace you go, right? Church is who you are. It's who we are. And so with the power of the Holy Spirit, I am believing that you will become the church and you'll be loyal to the church that Jesus gave his life for. And then for some of you, you're going to have this miserable, aching feeling, God, I've been disloyal to you. And it's okay. Okay. It's okay to hurt. It's okay to cry. It's okay to get on your face. And it's a good thing every now and then to say, Lord, cleanse me, change me, heal me. Because I recognize that disloyalty is a problem in our culture. But when I look in through the mirror, through the Word of God, I see that disloyalty is actually a problem for me with the help of the power of God, through the Holy Spirit, because of the death and the resurrection of His Son, I will not have a divided heart. My heart will be sold out to Him and to Him alone. And even when I mess up, the good news is that He's still faithful. He's still waiting and ready for me to come back and seek Him with all of my heart. So I may not be fully there yet, but the good news is, is through grieving, grieving, and repentance, I'm getting a little closer every day. Just you bow your heads with me. Just gonna pause for a second. I just want you to have a second where the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart. you just kind of let it soak in. Heavenly Father, as we pray this morning, I acknowledge this was a tough message and it probably even blindsided some people. But God, we have to acknowledge that disloyalty is a significant issue in our culture. So we ask, God, that you would help us To see in the mirror any sign of unfaithfulness in our life. God, I see so much in my own life. And God, I don't want to live in guilt, but I want to feel the pain enough to push me to serious repentance before you. God, I thank you that your forgiveness is real, that your healing is with us. And God, I ask that you would empower us to embrace and to live, not just proclaim, but to prove by our actions loyalty to people, and God, ultimately, loyalty to you with everything that's in us. As you're praying today, every head bowed. Those of you who would say, you know what, Robert, I see it. There's a disloyalty in me, and I feel it, and it grieves my heart. And I want to draw close to God. I want him to change me. If that's you, would you just lift up your hands right now where you are? Just hold them up. Come on, this is your moment. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. Nobody's looking around. It's just me and you. Anyone else? Thank you so much for all of those hands. All right. God, thank you for those who have hearts sensitive to your spirit, Lord that we recognize disloyalty even in our own hearts and our own lives I pray God that your Holy Spirit would do something inside of us that we would truly draw close to you and as we do Lord that you would draw close to us and God that we would even have the blessing of seeing the impurities in our lives so that we can confess them to you and as you forgive them and as you change us and make us new God, you would give us opportunities to be faithful, to be loyal, to be true, to to show honor, to live with integrity. God, thank you for the way that you're working in our life. God, I pray right now that you would heal relationships. I pray that you would heal families Lord. places where there's divisions between mothers and sons and sons and fathers and Mothers and daughters, brothers and sisters, all those different relationships, Lord. God, I pray there would be healing in relationships. I pray that over our church family right now. Healing in relationships as we confess and as we're open and as we're true. God, I pray. I pray that we would be loyal to you, loyal to your word, and loyal to your call for us to live as the church and to make a difference in our community. As we continue to pray, there may be some of you today who are going to recognize that you've never fully committed your life to the one who committed his life to you. And again, let me just say it as simply as I can. This is how God showed his faithfulness to you. That while you were still sinning, while you were not even looking towards him, He had already sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die a gruesome death, a horrible death on the cross so that we could be in relationship. Jesus took on Himself our sin, our pain, our hurt, our our rejection, our bitterness, our fears, our worries, our anxieties. He took them on Himself so that we could find healing in Him, so that we could have a way To pay back what we could not pay back and have relationship with God the Father. So while every head is bowed, every eye is closed, if you're here today and you say, Robert, I know I don't have a relationship with God like I should. I don't have a relationship with Jesus like I should. And I want to make a step towards that. I want to change that. I feel this repentance inside of me, and I want to take this step. Robert, would you pray for me? Again, I'm not going to embarrass you, but if that's you, would you just raise your hand? I want to pray for you this morning. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. See you. Anybody else? Just waiting a second. God's nudging your heart. Step closer to me. Anyone else? Anyone else? I thank you for those that raise their hands. Father, I pray that you would just speak to them and bless them, that you would pour your spirit out upon them. Father, I pray that this would be a life-defining moment as they say yes to you. And if you would, right where you are, if you would just pray this prayer with me. You don't have to pray it out loud. God will hear it. Just pray it in your heart. But say, dear Jesus, come into my life Be the Lord of my life. Forgive me of my sins. Help me, Lord, to be everything that you've called me to be. I pray, Father, in Jesus' name, that you would help me to follow you with all of my heart. And as best as I know how, I'm going to follow you and your plan for my life. Forgive me. I want to serve you forever. Jesus' name, amen. Everybody look up at me. Guys, I realize this is a tough message. And sometimes, you know, when you're you're preaching, you just want to speak encouragement to people. And I do. And uh, my heart's to be an encourager to you. But sometimes I have to encourage you by pointing you to the reality of what the Word of God says. And sometimes I have to encourage you by pointing you towards that place of repentance. And so God, I believe God's going to take this thing. And if you'll you'll take and dwell on it some this week, God's going to speak some things to your life. And I believe that at the end of your week, I speak this prophetically over you. You're going to find yourself closer to Him. You're going to find that he's doing some things in your life. You're going to, you're going to find that you'll feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And, and I use that word very strategically, conviction. See, if you feel condemnation, that's not God. Jesus said, I didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but that through me the world might be saved. Condemnation comes from the enemy who tells you you're no good. Conviction comes from the Holy Spirit who says, this is how to follow me. This is how to follow me. And I believe you're going to feel some conviction. So I want to give. So here's my prayer for you this week. My prayer for you is that you would feel this sense of God, I want to be close to you. I want to serve you with all my heart. I want to know you. I want to walk with you. Can I just say to you, man, you were never meant to be just somebody who comes and sits in a chair at a church and goes home. God placed gifts and talents and abilities inside of you. He wants to do something amazing in your life. You were created for a purpose, for a reason. And whatever it is that you wind up doing, whatever whatever life takes you, do it as unto the Lord. And if your job is mowing lawns, then mow lawns as unto the Lord and look for opportunities to serve Him in it. If your job is in ministry, then minister with all of your heart and do it as unto the Lord. And if, you're, if your job is working in the bank or something, whatever it is, whatever it is that you do, if you're a homemaker, do it as unto the Lord. And if you're a neighbor, be a neighbor or a real neighbor who looks into the world and sees the image of God and the people around them. Do it with all of your heart, with all of your life. Do it with all your heart. That's my prayer. That's my prayer for you this week. Amen? Amen. Amen. Are you glad that one's over? (laughs) All right. all right. Thank you for not raising your hands on that. Next week, we're continuing our series, Forgotten Virtues, Restoring Forgotten Virtues. And I'm going to be talking about the forgotten virtue of integrity. You're going to want to be a part of that. This is one of my favorite parts of the service. And one of the joys that I have as a pastor is to pray for you before you go out into the world because this isn't the church. We are the church. This is just the building. We're the church, and now the church is getting ready to leave the building and going to the world. All right, so if you would raise your hands, I want to pray a prayer of blessing over you. Father, I thank you. I bless every person that's here. I pray, Father, that you would bless them, Father, with, with wisdom. They would walk in wisdom according to your word. Father, that the Holy Spirit would lead and guide their steps, that you would give them favor in the eyes of people that they come in contact with. Lord, that your anointing would be on their life. And Father, that you would give them divine opportunities that they could tell other people the story of what you've done in their life. In Jesus' name, and everybody said? Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great, great week.